My guest today is international award-winning animation director Daniel Snadden, who has worked on several highly acclaimed and well-loved works, including a host of films based on books by beloved author Julia Donaldson. Daniel has already won two BAFTAs, you got them under your belt, <laughs> and an international Emmy Kids Award and others, uh, you know, like, um, uh, what do you call them? An- animation Awards, Emmys, Annies, Annies. Uh, we've got an Annie, yes. Annies, <laughs> yeah. Daniel, your work echoes through the TGE households. Um, <laughs> I'm so pleased to have you in studio today to chat more about what you're getting up to, what you've gotten up to. Welcome to The Great Equalizer. Thank you so much. Such a pleasure to be here. I mean, I meant what I said. Your work, I mean, it's the soundtracks to the movies that you've directed are in our cars. Oh, wow. My husband and I, yeah, we are, we are huge fans. Um, in fact, here's a pic, if you can bring it up, Ray, of my three-year-old, Noah, um, reading Snail and the Whale <laughs> while watching Snail and the Whale. Oh, wow. He likes to page along. There he is. He's struggling. Sorry. It's gone. Let me. There he is. There he is. There he is. Oh. So he sits on the couch and he paid. That is. That's not. Yeah. I thought for a second it was Tiddler. It's not Tiddler. No. That's now. That's now in the whale, right? Yeah. (laughs) That's awesome. We are in love with these books, as half the world is. We are in love with. Yeah, the movies. So as, as a dad yourself, yes, um, I want you to tell us more about that dad life before we get into the, the movies and your work. Sure. Are your kids Julia Donaldson fans? Well, they've sort of been indoctrinated, you know. Sure. <laughs> what, what's interesting is that the, um, the, the first movie that we made at Triggerfish with um, Magilite Pictures based on Julia, Julia's work and, uh, and Axel's work was Stickman. And at that point, I was uh, my wife and I had just gotten engaged, and so we didn't have any kids in the mix. And I don't think that I realized what a big deal they were because you know I grew up in the um, I was born in '83, and uh, so you're a roll doll guy. Exactly. Yeah. That's exactly right. So, um, so we we I'd sort of seen the Gruffalo sort of posters and stuff and exclusive books and that kind of stuff here and there, and I knew there was a movie, uh, and um, uh, but I didn't realize what a big deal she was, and I think that if I did, it would have been crushingly, <laughs> the pressure would have been too much, you know. It's I, good that you didn't. Yeah. Yeah, in a way. Yeah. So, have you met her? You've met yes. Julia? You've worked, cause, I mean, is it a close collaborative thing when you... So, so the way it works on uh, the specials is that um, Magilite Pictures is a, is a small independent studio based in London, um, and it's uh, owned and run by Michael Rose and, and um, Martin Pope. Uh, Michael used to be at Ardman. He produced uh, Chicken Run and Wallace and Gromit, um, some of the Wallace and Gromits. And, um, and Martin was from the BBC uh, and drama and, and doing that kind of stuff, live action. They won the rights to adapt the Gruffalo uh, for TV uh, based on um, uh, the fact that they decided that uh, they didn't, they thought it would w- work best if you didn't change it too much. And, and that was their pitch to Julia. They said, well, it's a poem, you know, and, and yes. if you try to turn it into a feature film or into a TV series, the poetry will get lost. And she really loved that because she'd been courted by all the big studios, you know, it was such a breakout hit. Um, and so they've really built an industry, um, a little cottage industry uh, around 
you, you know, very high quality films uh, and, and being very true uh, to the vision of the authors and then inviting people like myself and the other directors who have handled them to kind of come along and build the world together. Yes. So uh, we've worked with Julia. Um, she gives notes as we develop the script, as we develop the storyboards, and um, and we try to keep her and Axel both on board and happy with the direction that we're going all the way through. And they, they have notes, and yeah, so we try to take those on board too. Axel's illustrations are, you know, they're obviously very unique to him as an illustrator, yeah. easily identifiable. Absolutely. Um, and the, the, the pair, though, their works, I mean, Julia Donaldson has collabed with a ton of other illustrators, but there's something really special about the two of them together. Yes. As an animator, so, and also if you could explain, you started out as an animator and then eventually moved over into directing. And That's now right, you're, yes. a, you're a director for hire. So as an animator, now with that hat on, is it easy to... To use these very specific illustrations because I I don't look at it and go that's not that's not how it is in the book. Sure, it's so true as you're saying. It's the story so true to not only her writing but to also the characters that he's brought to life. So what do you do as an animator when you've already got those illustrations? I, I think it's uh, a huge help to have something to start with, and I have friends who have worked uh, at some of the, the the really big animation studios in Los Angeles and in America. And often what happens um, in the process of developing uh, a book into a movie or, um, or doing an adaptation is that um, it, it changes a lot. And it's really based on the recipe of who is there, you know, who are the, who are the producers, the creatives that are all around the project. And it kind of it starts to change to really suit what they, what they want to see, you know. Um, so you could start with something that's very beloved, um, uh, and then end up with something that sort of resembles it, but it's, it, it is quite different. I, personally, I think that if you start with something that's enormously popular, <laughs> uh, the, the job, of, as far as I've um, understood it, is not to try to change what people love about it. It's to try to capture that and then to present it in a new medium. Something that we had an enormous um, um, advantage uh, at Triggerfish when we took on the specials, because... The Gruffalo and the Gruffalo's Child and Room on the Broom were all made at a German studio called Studio Soy. Uh, and then they ended up doing The Amazing World of Gumball on uh, Cartoon Network. And so Magic Light were looking for a new partner and, and chose Triggerfish to work with. So we had already um, seen some of the, the amazing uh, work that they'd done to, to take these 2D illustrations, you know, these paintings, mm. um, which are full of personality and, and, and detail and texture, and to turn those into a 3D world. And their, and I think this is really smart, their kind of feeling was, you know, in, in computer graphics, things can often look a bit too perfect. They can look very um, uh, very mathematical or geometrical, for want of a better term. And that can, be, that, that can look great, but if you look at Axel's work, it's not that. It's a hand-painted image. And so um, the, those original movies were all uh, built sets, like stop-motion sets. Um, so everything that you see in the background uh, of those first three specials is made by somebody. Um, and it's it's lovely being here with you guys in Linden because I know that just across the road is Marn Creative Studios, who are friends of ours, and they have the same approach. And there's something really magical about going into a studio and just seeing all these little miniature sets, these little tiny trees and rocks, and, and, and uh, there's so much... Uh, 
you know, um, care and love put into all of those little things. At Triggerfish, even though there used to be a stop motion studio that made Sesame Street, you know, yes. shorts, um, they hadn't done stop motion for years. And their two big films that they made, um, Zambezia and um, Kumba, were all CGI. And so it was a completely CGI studio. So our, our challenge at Triggerfish was to recreate this feeling of a handmade set in, in CGI. And uh, I mean, it, it's sort of a... Uh, it's it sort of speaks to um, the talent levels in South Africa, you know, and the skills of the artists that we work with that they were able to pull it off to a point where uh, I was talking to um, the animation director of Stickman, who now works at, in London. He worked on The Lion King and Maleficent and all oh, this. Oh wow! Kind of stuff. Okay. And he said that he got contacted after um, we made a film called The Highway Rat by someone at Leica who made Paranorman and. Caroline, and they wanted to know how we did certain things with the characters in stop motion. And he said they thought we we did that in stop motion. <laughs> no way. We were so we were so chuffed. Exactly yeah. what you wanted to achieve. And I was, I'm glad you mentioned all of that because you did very lightly gloss over that Tr- Triggerfish um, partnered with Magic Light Pictures after the you know the the German company kind yes. of that, that that partnership ended. That that was that's a very light gloss over a South African company having this amazing huge partnership of these BBC Christmas specials it's i yeah. mean that's an institution in and of itself how did that happen how did how did that partnership come to be it was did you pitch did you like tender for it you know what do you yeah so i think that uh, magic light um had a couple of different studios they were talking to but they'd seen kumba and they were really impressed with the just the quality of the images um that we produced for kumba so i worked mm-hmm. as an animator on kumba and a storyboard artist, and um, and even though it's uh, it's a fairly old film now, it was made in two thousand and I think it was released in two thousand and twelve or thirteen. Um, it still feels like the Karoo, you know. There's still so much beautiful detail in in the environments, and um, and it has a, a really good sense of place. So they saw that, mm-hmm. and it gave them the feeling that well, maybe in CGI you could capture what they were looking for, you know, in in, in their specials. Um, so I had this amazing experience. I was working with um, Anthony, uh, who's uh, director of Kumba, on, on a film that he was developing, uh, and I was doing some storyboards, and then got invited to pitch because they were looking for a co-director um, for um, Stickman, the first special, and I got to pitch um, my sort of take on, on, on the book and what I thought it was and, and what I thought would be you know, uh, challenging about it. And, and I met Michael and Martin uh, in Cape Town. I flew down from Joburg. I was originally based in Joburg. And um, and it seemed that uh, Triggerfish did a very good job of whining and dining. <laughs> Magic like they flew out. I, hadn't, I don't think they'd been to Cape Town before, but they showed them all the sites, took them out to the vineyards. And and, and what was really funny is that um, Kumba hadn't, had, had been over for over a year. And I don't think there were very many people at Triggerfish. I think we'd gone from a team of about 110 to, I think there was probably only the partners left, who were you know the five guys. And uh, after Kumba, after Kumba, because okay. uh, they didn't, they didn't, they weren't doing any other work. Yeah. And so I think that they all, the, the story I've I've heard uh, them tell is that they all went off and said, "Well, this is great. We'll we'll make we'll make the things here. We'll be able to come up to South Africa and spend time here." And they said, "Fantastic." And then they took them to the office and they said, "Imagine computers and imagine people." <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> <laughs> Or all there was just you know uh, desks and chairs on desks and, <laughs> <I love that. laughs> and cobwebs in the, in the corner. So it was really based on the quality of the of the features um, and the amazing uh, artists who who sort of 
bootstrapped that from nothing. You know, they and, and Triggerfish really went from being a very small boutique to becoming this feature studio and then um, pivoted into the specials and then went back to features and now I've been doing other really exciting work with the streamers. So yeah, they've yes. they've, they've had a, they have a huge uh, fingerprint. Yeah. Kumba and Z- is Zambezia, hey? Yes, they're yeah. both also available on Showmax. I believe store. so. Yes. Yes, and I, okay. Before I go into into the next thing, I just this is that is for Trigger Triggerfish yeah. and you guys. Yeah, you managed to sell that. That's amazing. Of course you wanted. Of course you sold South Africa <laughs> to these guys. You know. Of course you sold them like. Not only do we have the Winelands, but we have the likes of you, and it's that's amazing. We're all hats off to uh, to Stuart Forrest and, and uh, Mike Buckland and Anthony and uh, and James and yeah, the, the guys at Triggerfish for, for pulling yes, that off. Hundred percent. It's, it's yeah. so it's so cool, and I don't think I'm making a fuss about it because I don't think South <laughs> Africans make enough of a fuss about it, or if they even know, you know. Sure, sure. I mean, it's interesting you say that because I feel I think that if you if you met a lot of people at at, who worked at Triggerfish animators and, and people who are really into this kind of stuff? Um, I think that you'll you'll they have a sort of common story. Not everybody, but there's a common story of always feeling a little bit, you know, um, out of out of step with the broader culture. You know, so you've got you've got people who are into sports and and, and all that kind of stuff. But but in terms of you know um, what they really are passionate about, it's something that they that they had to find an outlet for it. And yes. and animation, video games, animation movies tv shows that's really kind of where they've gravitated towards and uh, and i think that as as a culture in south africa you know I, when when people overseas ask me i say you know in south africa we only got tv in the early 70s you know the rest of the world had tv like from the 40s you know <laughs> it's, so it's we a were new industry it was it? pretty yeah. new and we had sanctions and yes. um and uh i think that um you know, uh, the generation now is the first generation that's growing up, seeing things released at the same time as the rest of the world. These global releases, and are, and and through the internet and everything is really plugged in, so you can be based anywhere. And as long as you don't have a very restrictive, you know, um, censorship, you, you can you can be exposed to anything from anywhere. You know, so I think I think this generation feels part of the world. But certainly, growing up, we felt like we were on the in the nineties. You know, we were just like on the edge of. Of yeah. existence, sort of. We'll you know. wait three months before we get the latest episode of whatever. Yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah absolutely. 100%. The Julia Donaldson films that have been adapted is essentially why we're here because even though it came out in December, Smed, the Smeds and the Smooths yes. was recently aired, like in May. Uh, um, or yeah. was it? Or was it a bit later, June or July? Well, we, now we, in we did a we did a screening at the Cape Town Animation Festival. I think that was uh, earlier this year in, in May. So, yeah. what about what about Joburg? Come on, guys! <laughs> there are hardcore fans here, as you can see. Yeah, <laughs> I yeah. should have worn. I should have had my kids wear their Gruffalo suits. Oh wow! Yeah. <laughs> um, you started with Sigman, as you said. You worked on Zog, which won an International Emmy Kids Award. Yes. What did you win an Annie for? The Annie was for the Snail and the Whale, which you won two Baftas for for best uh, animation, animation best and, director, and best director. Yeah, I share that with uh, my wonderful directing partner Max Lang. Amazing. Um, and uh, and the other the other Donaldson films that were made at Triggerfish uh, were it was it was Stickman, The Highway Rat, Zog, and Snail and the Whale. So those were the four. And then we also got a chance to work on uh, Roald Dahl's Revolting Rhymes, yes. which was a huge highlight for me. You know, we put that play on when I was a, 
when I was at primary school in, in Nelspreet at, uh, at a little, little school called Uplands. And I remember how much fun it was because it was so... Um, uh, it feels naughty, doesn't very it? Naughty. Yes. Yeah, I, I was I was the prince's uh, henchman, and I got to cut off the ugly sister's head. And we <laughs> we used a netball, and we taped a wig to it, and we threw it into the audience. <laughs> you know, these little eight year olds. Oh, you know? I love that. <laughs> yeah. So, like, it it was almost full circle moment for you. To, it was because like, I animated that. that. I animated that scene in the. Oh, you did. <laughs> yeah. Did you insist on it, or I, just I per pitched, chance? I was like, can I can I do this? Um, yeah. Um, and that was directed by some wonderful. Directors uh, Jacob Shu, um, Jan Lachau, and, and Ben Anto, uh, and that was a collaboration between between Germany and South Africa. But Triggerfish did a lot of the animation and a lot of the the um, the post production on that. Um, and so so those were the sort of five things that we did with uh, with Magic Light. And it was a wonderful, I think, six years working together. So I it's not a confession, but it's a nice anecdote. I think I. Um run the junior phase kid lit quiz group at my child's school, my eldest school. So, um, all the, I mean, he's in grade R, so still um, in the process of learning to read and getting fluent in it. So, I'm helping the boys who are a little bit older, the nine-year-olds. Sure, wow. um, Because kid lit quiz starts at 10. And I'm getting quite competitive. My (laughs) boys are going to rock it next year. So, I've got a few of them. Um. And over the holidays, I said, okay, who of you have Showmax? And they were like, this is Kids Lit Quiz. What do you want about? Right. All of them put up their hands. Really, they were, I think there was one who didn't have Showmax. All of them had Showmax. I was like, right, your reading homework is to watch all of these films. Oh, awesome. <laughs> and they were like, she's mad. I made them all right down the list. And they're very diligent. Kudos to these these boys. They They come back and... They came back after the three-week break, and they had watched all the films. Oh, wow. And then we had we had read it. So they're all fans. They all have their favorites. Oh, cool. They're, um, you know, we're, I've gotten them into it. You know, I've, I've got a whole new generation of fans coming up. I wanted to ask you, though, oh, out, you. Of, out of all of the, the movies that you've worked on and directed, have you got a favorite? In terms of the process, I would say, um, I think that Zog is very special to me. The main reason being it's um, it was a sort of a, um, a blind date between myself and the director, uh, Max Lang, who, you know, I mean, he's quite a heavy hitter. He works for big studios in America. He's based in Los Angeles. He's, you know, I think he's got two Oscar nominations under his belt. And, and, he's, he, and he's got a New York Times bestselling kids book that he writes with his wife called Grumpy Monkey. Some of your, some of your um, listeners might have picked up Grumpy Monkey, and there's a whole series of them now. So he's, he's wonderful. And... Um, and we just had this amazing uh, um, sort of meeting of minds over what Zog should be. And, and, and we were at a place at Triggerfish where he had done three films with Magic Light. And they were all really special projects and, and successful in their own right. What we were trying to do at Triggerfish at the time was figure out how to make these things to the quality um, that you know we were passionate about getting. But, but also try to take some of the pressure off the team. You know, we'd all worked really hard. We'd put a lot of sweat equity into, <laughs> into making those sweat films. Sweat equity. Uh, making those that. films as beautiful as they are. And I felt like we had struck, started to, we, I think it was a bit of a turning point where we had learned a lot of good lessons. And, and by the end of Zog, I felt like we hadn't, hadn't um, overextended ourselves. It was a positive experience for pretty much, I think, each department that was involved. And I, as a director, you know, you're, 
your job is to push for quality. But as someone who's worked in the animation team, you know, you know that it comes at a cost. So mm. you have to, you, you're forced to, um, to, uh, to try to be balanced in your approach. And I, I felt like we got, we got something very special. And, and, I, and I really felt that the, the team was on board. And I love Snail and the Whale. Uh, and, you know, Snail and the Whale was something that Max had been thinking about for 10 years, ever since he directed The Gruffalo. He thought, well, this is the most beautiful book and it really needs to be a, be a special. We actually had to wait for the, the, um, the technology to catch up with us, though. Because before that, that, they did The Gruffalo before Moana had come out and we had never seen digital water on that kind of a scale. Yes. And what we sort of talked about at the time, and it's quite weird to think that it's something that we actually did, is that there hasn't been an animated TV special with that kind of VFX, you know, um, heavy, you know, 25 minutes of pretty much, you know, the most expensive part of <laughs> of, of, of uh, water fluid stuff, you know, because it all takes place sort of, not under the water, but on the water. So, Which yeah. is different because I was thinking about Tiddler, which I just want to, mm. you know, if you guys haven't spoken about it, okay. if it's not on the table, okay. you know, uh, my I'm mouth just, is, My lips are sealed, but, okay, you know, okay. they're, they're, they're working their way through them. So. Tabby, Tabby <laughs> McTat is, that's is announced, in... That's announced for this year. That's yeah. in the works. I'm so excited. And, okay. and directed by two South Africans. Oh, yes. Sarah Scrimger and Yakaman, yeah, who directed Superworm. And they're working with an, an international team. They're working with a company called Red Star, who are based in Sheffield in England. But a lot of the animators and, and a lot of the uh, some of the HODs um, are South African. So it's the South African talent is kind of you know stuck to these these films, Amazing. even though they're starting to be made elsewhere. Yeah. So I was actually thinking about that. I thought, why Tiddler? And I was I thought, why not Tiddler yet? You know, and I thought maybe because of the the water. Sure. And then I realized, well, snail in the well. But what your explanation of like. You know, you had to wait for the for the technology to catch yeah. up. That's that's incredibly interesting to me. But also, it's my favorite. Uh, the snail in the snail whale. Snail in the whale. It's my favorite of the books. It's my favorite of the movies. And what I've noticed, but across all of the movies, is I mean the the books are seven hundred words. Yes. It doesn't take thirty odd minutes no. <laughs> to read seven. It feels like it when it's. Pushing eight o'clock and you yeah. need to get the kids to bed. That can feel like longer than thirty minutes. And they have questions about every single <laughs> little little exactly. Easter egg on exactly. every page. Yeah, it can feel like that, but it, it doesn't take thirty minutes to read seven hundred words, no. um, even when they're beautifully written. And I don't skip pages. <laughs> um, there are mo- there are moments. You you guys fill the moments so beautifully with music. And I feel like creative license where you do need to take that creative license to translate from book to screen in any adaptation, yes. whether it's a novel or whether it's a picture book, you do need that little bit of something different. You know, I noticed that in Highway Red, for instance, the horse in the book isn't as judgy no. <laughs> as he is in the in yeah. the in the movie in the short film. Yes. Um is it a short film? You, you call them short yeah. films or we call them? Um he's not as judgy and he's the narrator in the end, spoiler alert. Yes. But, you know? Yeah. So there's things like that. And are there are there other kind of favorite takes that you guys brought to the books that Julia was like, Cool, yes, great idea. You know, I, I do. I notice them. You know, the Gruffalo. I feel like he's a lot more grumpy. Sure. You know, when he he's standing and the mouse goes, oh, you know, 
let me, sh- I'll show you how scary I am in these words. And he goes, it's almost like a meme that runs in my head. <laughs> he goes, amazing. Amazing. <laughs> amazing. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, so of the films that, y- that you've worked on, are there any, you know, creative, like maybe Easter eggs or, or things that you slotted in that you thought, I'm going to fill that time with these ideas. In Zog, there are a few. There are. Um, I can I can definitely think of a couple of those. It's, it's wonderful that you, you pick those up because I think that if we've done our job properly, it feels like it feels very true to the work. It doesn't feel like we are doing things that, um, that, that don't really match, you know, what's, what's in the book, but it feels a bit like the world, the, you, you're getting more of a glimpse into the world. The biggest difference um, between what a film can do and what a book can do is that a book is really inviting you to use your imagination um, to fill in what's happening between the pages. And also how the characters feel about what there is they're, they're saying. You know, sometimes it's very clear, but sometimes it is a bit sort of it's ambiguous, m- more ambiguous. Yeah. And uh, and we have the great pleasure of of working with wonderful actors uh, who you know um, who bring bring a lot uh, to um, to to each performance. You know, and uh, and um, I do remember working with uh, the great Tracy Ullman, uh, who if um, if your listeners are too young to remember. The Simpsons started on her variety show <laughs> back in the 80s. Uh, and she's this amazi- amazing comedian um, who's been in just loads of films and, um, and has an ongoing series of different sketch shows and stuff on, on UK TV. And she was an absolute dream. She even asked us about the water situation in Cape Town. She was so nice. Really? Yeah. And, and uh, I remember there's a, there's, a, there's a part in Zog, uh, for those who know the book, at the end where where uh, Zog decides he's not going to become a, a fire-breathing terror. <laughs> he's not going to fight knights anymore. He's going to join Princess Pearl and, and get about the greats and become their ambulance, their flying ambulance. And in the book, uh, I think Madame Dragon says, um, uh, what an excellent, a dragon ambulance, an excellent career. Um, yes. And I always thought, wow, that's quite a... You know, as, as, as a teacher who's been trying to teach you the right way to be a dragon <laughs> for five years, <laughs> for you to turn around and say, um, no, I'm, I'm going to do something completely different, you know, it's quite, a, it's quite a thing to get your head around. And so we spoke about it with Tracy and, um, and you know, we played it very straight uh, to begin with. So very encouraging, like, oh, that's, that's a great idea. Fantastic. A drag, dragon ambulance. What a great idea. I never thought of that. And then we thought, well, what about if you were a, you know, you had a, uh, you were a a piano teacher and you had this kid who was going to become a concert pianist and then turned around and said no I want to make pop music or mm. I want. so she did this fantastic take for us where she was like oh, 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 well that's what you want <laughs> <laughs> and um, and so finding little little ways to kind of really bring more meaning you know into and, and really bring the thought process of the characters to, to life yes. I think that's the real pleasure of, of being an animator and and, and uh and, and, and having these characters you know, to work with, when you can really see how they think and how they feel about what's happening, that's really the, the kind of joy for us. I think you guys have done a great job in terms of that because there's some things that I'm like, oh, but hang on, is that in the book or is that in the right. in the um, movies? And I also, you know, now that we've heard the, the film so many times and we've heard how the, like I can hear Sir Gadabout behind his, yeah. Armor. Yeah. I can hear what he, how tinny he sounds, you know, when he's saying, "Well, come to rescue Princess Pearl." I hope I'm not too late. Mm-hmm. We would have said it, you know, in a certain way. But when we watch Zog, we're like, now when we read the books, we read it the way we've heard it in the movie. <laughs> Everything That's is funny. recited in that way, and yeah. I feel like it really is 
interchangeable. They've become, you know, synergists with one another. Well, well I, I hope um, I hope that uh, so so something that we do do um, and that we look for opportunities to do is because, you know, there's a there's a kind of um, uh, a principle in in filmmaking which is show don't tell. And yes. Most of the Donaldson in books are storytelling, really. Yeah. Absolutely, most of the Donaldson books are. Uh, narration quite narration heavy and there's not as much dialogue you know um, as you would if you if you were to make this uh, without without the book um, as your starting point uh, so we're always looking for and we work with Julia on this looking for opportunities to bring lines from the narration and put them into the mouths of the characters and I'm trying to um, think of some good examples but uh, but none spring to mind immediately <laughs> well in I suppose okay I'm going to the Graffalo now sure um, or the Graffalo's child, where isn't that the squirrel mom who says the nut looked good? Yeah, so so that was um, so that was something that they worked very hard on creating this framing story that's not in the book the, with the squirrel and the and the and kids. The kids, yeah, yeah. So that's that's a very good example of that. And I think that um, um, I think that in, to come back to the, exactly the same um, uh, uh, moments in Zog. I think the original line is then Madame said then Madame Dragon said a dragon ambulance an excellent career and I think Julia had it in her stage play um, you, you take out the she said they said we said that you try to get rid of that and she replaced it with Madame Dragon saying bravo a dragon ambulance so that the an excellent the, career <laughs> so that the rhythm stays the same yeah. but she's got now that's her line and not you know yes. the narrator going and then Madame Dragon said yeah you know. <laughs> there, is there a narrator in, in Zog oh yeah 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 um and uh, it is was there a, is there a back is there a voiceover? Oh yeah, narrating. Oh yeah, that's uh, Lenny Henry. You uh, see Sir how Lenny Henry, you yes. see how it's so ingrained. <laughs> well, it's, it's 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 lovely to hear you ask the question because um, and and because I think Lenny does such a Sir Lenny does such a good example. I mean, he does such a good job of just just inviting you in yes. and then kind of helping you sort of um, get some context and, and, you know, it's a gentle... It's it, I really like that when the narrator isn't too... Um, uh, um, avert. Avert or uh, trying to preempt how you're going to react or how mm. you're going to feel because it really gives the game away, you know. Mm. It's like, isn't that funny? Yes. Or isn't that sad? Or, you know, it's much better if they're sort of saying, well, what do you, what do you think of that? You know? Which is why the oh, horse in the highway rat at yeah. the end when you're just like, it was you talking the whole time, yeah. you little... <laughs> little scam. Smeds and the Smooths recently came out. Let's let's chat about that. Yes. Because um, I don't think a lot of people, everybody knows the Gruffalo and then once you've latched onto that, it, we're now getting to the later books, you yes, know? Yes, yeah. So... We love Smeds and the Smooths. Oh, I'm so glad. Dedicated yeah. to the children of Brexit. They're the original text. <laughs> the children of Europe, yes. The children was, of Europe. Which was a little... Which, you see, you which, see but, what I, it was a nudge towards but it Brexit. Absolutely That's why it's was. in my brain. You know, it's interesting. So Axel Scheffler is German. Ah. And Julia is English. Yes. So that partnership between the two of them is a European partnership. So they were placing commentary with that book, which and, I loved. And, and you know, uh, England, everyone's got a different take, you know, about what it was supposed to be, how it's gone. And, you know, it's very contentious. In the film industry, um, what happened was that there was so much um, uh, great European um, collaborations and financing that uh, as an EU member you were able to access. So a lot of the specials that were made, including, I believe, um, some of the ones that were done at Triggerfish, were done with some European funding uh, assistance. We had mm -hmm. another 
broadcast partner called ZDF, who are like the um, German version of the BBC. The, mm-hmm. those, the, the, the books are beloved in Germany as well. Um, so that was Axel having a bit of a having yes. a bit of a nudge, you know. <laughs> um, and you know, for me, the the book, you know, I, I wasn't certain I was going to direct another one after Stay on the Well because Stay on the Well had been this big this big undertaking for Max and myself and, and, the, and the team at Triggerfish, and um, and I wasn't really aware of Smeds and the Smooths because, as you say, it's, it's, it's a new book, and um, it's uh, I'll try to do this without any spoilers. It's essentially a bit of a Romeo and Juliet setup. You know, there's two clans of aliens, Reds. Red Smeds and Blue Smooths, and um, they hate each other. <laughs> they're, they're neighbors on a planet, and they just don't get along. They're very different, and they're very quick to judge one another. And two of the kids f- meet in this neutral space. And they touch antenna. They Dan. touch antenna, yeah. They touch antenna. <laughs> well, that, that, that's something, um, you know, that we had to... <laughs> We had to deal with. So in the book, the, the book, the line is that the two rubbed antenna and played all day, day long. And when you read the line, it's like that's very cute. So, yeah, and then we thought, how do you, you show? How do you show that? Do you show them getting quite intimate? <laughs> you know, because the antenna are on top of their heads. Yes. You know, it's uh, so we 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 came up with this. Um, uh, 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 what do you call it? This kind of um, device that the it's almost like the antenna are charged, negative and positive. So when they they touch, they they kind of it's like kids when you scuff scuff your feet on the carpet. You know, you mm. try to shock each other, so they shock each other. Like and like, and it's so cute because the two. I mean, it's um, Janet and Bill. Janet yeah. and Bill. Janet and Bill like meet at the Wurpula Woods, and they're like still enemies. Yes, and then. They're, you know, their faces are all, they're showing that they're, they're, they don't, I'm not meant to like you and I'm not meant to like you. And, uh. yeah. and then they do that and it's just it's like, Zzz. and then they play yeah. as kids do. Yeah. It's so great. Well, the, um, so my, my, my co-director, Samantha Cutler and I had a lot of fun and, 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 and funny enough, I, it was quite a, um, a, a, a wonderfully personal um, story for, for, for me to tell, uh, uh, to adapt. Um, and my, my wife and I actually, well, she wrote the script and we worked a little bit together early on developing the story with Samantha and, and with the team at Magilite and Julia. Um, uh, and uh, the, it, it, as South Africans, we just felt we have a lot of, a lot to bring to this kind of a story, which is about, you know, you know, prejudice and tensions between groups and things. In my family, um, you know, my father is from South Africa. My mother is actually Chinese-born Australian. So when my sister oh. and I were very young and we moved back to South Africa, you know, we were, um, you know, it was the end of apartheid. It was 88. Uh, we were, we only found out this years later, but we were classified non-Europeans and um, wouldn't go to any of the public schools or anything like that. And, um, and then got to experience the miracle of transformation and, you know, all of that kind of stuff. And, and, and uh, I'm very happy to live through, you know, those very optimistic times. I know now it, there's a lot of sort of trying to figure out what was good and what hasn't worked out and all that kind of stuff. But but, but being... That was a good transition. I mean, I was seven yeah. at, at the time of our first election. Yeah, I was 11. And so, I remember it so well. Yeah. And and I, I went to school um, at a little... Um, like I said, this, this this school Uplands and another school Penryn, which was like a new South Africa school, so it was integrated, you know, immediately. So I always felt like I've grown up in that kind of a society. But it's so funny when you speak to people from England, they don't realize how short the time spans are. It's like, well, yeah. in my lifetime, you know. Yes. It's not. It's this is not theoretical. This is this is now. So it was a, d- a delight to sort of tell the story about two two different um, uh, clans coming together and becoming one family. And that's, uh, 
and that and and it's you know it's uh it's uh it's something that resonated with me deeply. There's a at the oh, I'm, I don't want to give spoilers to the listeners. They must go watch it on Showmax. It's a great parenting tool. Yeah, I don't you so. find? I think so. I think it's it's one of the stories. You know, Julia likes to um, not be too overt with any messaging. You know, there's mm-hmm. a lot. Of, I think in South Africa we're used to, we're more used to kind of just sticking the moral up front. It's like this is a story about this issue. <laughs> we're going to talk about that. Well, we, and we also yeah. come from a storytelling nation with all you know of our cultures, yes. our, our medley of cultures, where you have oral storytelling. And there is always a parable. There's always a lesson behind that. Yeah, it's always like don't go to the river at this time of. <laughs> yeah, because this yeah. because this you know well it is it is more overt storytelling. There's always so. a lesson behind it. So. I think the reason that Julia is so popular, and you can use use the Gruffalo as an example. You know, it's uh, it's it's a. Uh, it's not a, a clear, it's like, it's, it's not a clear, there's no clear moral to the Gruffalo. The mouse is lying to get out of trouble. He's making something up. And then his story gets out of hand and it actually manifests, you know, <laughs> he kind of calls this thing from wherever it is. And, uh, <laughs> and then he has to deal with it. And he does it by doing the same, exactly the same thing. <laughs> yeah. and, and I think that's why little kids love it so much. It's like, oh, you can, you can. You know, you can work an angle. You know, you, you, she. It's it's funny. The the books are really popular here and 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 in Australia and and uh, and places that I think are more close to British culture, uh, where we're prepared to be a bit naughty. I think in America they haven't they haven't quite cracked it in the same way because the Americans, just like with Roald Dahl, they're a bit more. They want it's yes. like good wins, bad yes. bad doesn't. You know, uh, you know, and they're a bit more. Um, uh, uh, they like their kids' kids lit to be a bit You're more so straightforward. Right. Yeah. It's like I'm thinking now, which we haven't mentioned, of Room on the Broom. Yes. Um, which also has like a bit of nuance to it and a bit of naughtiness to it. I have a a video that I love. I don't delete it from my phone because it's just of of my eldest telling um, mosquitoes in the room because we're plagued in our household by mosquitoes. He's going, leave this of mine alone. Leave this of mine alone. Leave this of mine alone. And then then I say, and then what? And then he goes, buzz off. That's my witch. (laughs) (laughs) Where he got that and you're thinking, oh, is it okay for a two-year-old to say that? Well, Julia Donaldson wrote it, yeah. so, you know. so it's, it's literature. Is it? It's literature. <laughs> what, what are you going to do? You know. I think as a kid, I always gravitated more towards that kind of stuff because it feels a bit more sincere. It almost feels yeah. more authentic to how people actually are and how the world actually is. Well, it you know? is. Yeah, it doesn't feel that way, but it is. It yeah. is exactly, and that's why Roald Dahl appealed absolutely to our generation oh my because goodness. you're you're undermining the. The adults, the adults get treated pretty badly in yeah, Roald Dahl novels. It's true. The adults are—they're they're not painted with a lot of uh, respect, are no. they? <laughs> um, something that I feel very, very fortunate and, and, and blessed about in terms of the movies that I've made with with Magic Light and and with the with the teams I've worked with and with Triggerfish and everybody is, is that um, the thing that you you get confronted with after you make something like that and you don't know if it's going to be popular or not. I mean, we 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 hope that. We, we do something that's worthy of the, the material. Um, and then when you hear stories about how parents have seen the movie, you know... Many, many times. Many, many, many times. <laughs> you kind of go, oh, good. Well, it's, it's good. 
you, you just realize there's a responsibility that comes with that. You know, what are you... It's almost like casting a little spell <laughs> over a kid because if they're watching this and they've got an open mind and an open heart, what what is the thing telling them, you know? And I'm just so really... I feel really, really um, happy that, you know, um, everything that we've made, I feel, has a, a good... At, at its core, there's something really positive to take away from it. So with Stickman, the, the, you know, the, the value of the, fa- the father being reunited with the kids, for example, and the, and the value of st- staying true to yourself no matter how bad things get. I'm Stickman, you know? damn yeah. it. Just, just, just know who you are. Know <laughs> <Yeah>. thyself. You know? <laughs> um, with Zog, you know, the idea that the culture you're brought up in, you know, I mean, I was someone who never did well at, at sports. There's actually a moment in Zog where that's based on an experience I had because I, I came over when I was four from America and didn't know about cricket, didn't know about rugby, knew about, you know, baseball a little bit and that kind of stuff. And I remember playing a game of, of touch rugby at school and, and going for the try and I spiked the ball like they do in American football. In football, yeah. And I was like, we did it. And they're like, you idiot. <laughs> you screwed it up. <laughs> you Are know? you not allowed to spike the ball? No, no. You got to have your hands on the ball when you go oh. over that line. Oh, yes, of course. Yeah. And 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 I and I, it was such a moment of shame for me, you know, because oh. I, st- I I had the opportunity and I let my team down. So I put that in Zog. So what happens with Zog? So in Zog, they're capturing the princess, right? And they're all and he, Zog's got the princess, and he does the same thing. He does a spike, he like throws <laughs> it on the and then and he's so rough with the princess model that the head falls off. <laughs> and, oh yes, and so the, not the actual he, princess when they're still practicing. Yeah, right? with the yeah, with yeah. the with the fake princess, and uh, and Madame Dragon doesn't give him the star, and that's. Directly from my own trauma. <laughs> you know? uh, so the idea that in Zog that you can grow up in a in a culture and you can be a, you know being groomed to be something, and then actually make your own decision about what you want to be. You know, same with Princess Pearl. She's supposed to be a princess, but she wants to do more. She wants to be a doctor and and serve the, her her people that way. Um, and stay on the whale. The fact that you can feel so small oh, that you're, that, you're, that the world is so big and you can feel so helpless and that you don't matter your voice doesn't matter what you do doesn't matter and it's not true you know what you do matters you know? I don't want to I don't want to cry <laughs> I mean you know I've had my moments today it's been touch and go it's been full moon I don't know if that means anything to anyone but it's it's been a whirlwind there's a moment in the book that you guys just did so beautifully in the film that translated so well where he does he He's exploring all of these. And the monkey puzzle monkey's there. Oh, yeah, you know? yeah. And um, he looks out and it's, he says, I feel so small. That's yeah. the line. And even in the book, the word small is typed small. Yes, yeah. And that emotion comes. I kind of, veer, if I don't need to be crying, <laughs> you know, I veer away from that part of the movie when it comes. But you're so right. I actually never piece that together. Whenever I read the book and, and watch the film, I think, yeah. In the grand scheme of things, Sam, you know, whatever you went through today doesn't matter. But there's an extension of that story. Absolutely. There yeah. is, you know, your actions do matter. Absolutely. So yeah. maybe there's perspective in the world, but yeah. And I think that, you know, it was wonderful to have that film to put out during the pandemic. And, you know, we we, we didn't get to travel to any festivals to, to, to celebrate the film or anything like that because we were all stuck inside. But mm. but it was great to see the film go out and be so warmly received because I feel, I feel like it was something that people really needed to hear, you know, and the kids, that, that young kids, you know, um, uh, during lockdown. You know, it was lovely to know that, that, that that's what we were putting out into the, the world. timing was know? so right. So I feel incredibly yeah. fortunate and... Um, and because uh, you don't always have control over everything that you know that you get to work on as an as an artist, uh, as an animator, and 
and uh, and so I was really yeah it, I, I feel very very privileged um, with that yeah that, that those are the ones that I've gotten to do well we appreciate your work as, as you know I appreciate the the work that Triggerfish has done um, uh, we didn't touch on Kazazi Moto mm. and, the, and the Star Wars series, which you, you worked as a mentor on Kazazi Moto. That just came out recently on Disney Plus. Yes. So before we focus on, on what's next for you, let's chat a bit about that. Give it a bit of a punt because that's some South African animation that, you know, has an important platform. It's, it's out there. So what, what is that all about? And the Star Wars series that you that you worked on. What What are those two projects so triggerfish um after they and i think it was mainly revolting rhymes because that that got an oscar nomination and it opened up a lot of doors um for them uh they were able to um get the ear of 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 uh, the big streamers and the big studios so um so uh, Kevin Kriedemann, who's a mutual friend of, of the podcast and, and yes. myself, uh, he's worked with uh, Triggerfish for a long time. And he said, well, you know, there's all these wonderful African filmmakers who just aren't getting a plat- a, 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 an opportunity to have a crack at animation because it takes so long and it's, and it's, um, it's a complex thing. And so I think he, the, the origin of, the, of doing an anthology of, of sort of Afrofuturist um, movies on the back of the success of Black Panther and the idea that there would be you know, interest in, in seeing more and of that kind of optimistic, you know, v- versions of 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 of, um, of Africa uh, from uh, yeah, from specifically from Disney. You know, um, I think that all sort of the, the, the idea came from him, and then the team uh, Anthony and the team at, at Disney and Tendai Nyeke kind of um, went through a process of of reaching out to to a bunch of fantastically, amazingly talented young um, animation artists. Filmmakers who'd worked maybe in live action or in commercials um, or documentary, and just saying, "Here's an opportunity. We're going to pitch. You know, we, Disney want, want us to pitch some ideas. What's what would be your take on these themes?" And so I I spent a bit of time with them, uh, hearing some of the initial pitches and, and giving my feedback on that. And then what I did because a lot of these um, the the projects that were chosen, the 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 the, the, te- the directors or the directing teams who were going to helm them, whose stories they were, hadn't directed animation before. So I did a couple of uh, workshops on um, storyboarding and working with storyboard artists and art direction and working with art directors as a director. Um, and then I also gave some um, some moral support to uh, you know some, some of the directors who needed uh, mm-hmm. some perspective uh, mm-hmm. along the way because making animation is always tricky. It's almost like, and when especially when you're doing little short films like this, if people haven't worked with the studio before, you have to build trust very quickly. It's almost like sometimes it's like having a little startup, you know, like a startup business. You know, you have to. No one knows and what's possible, and yeah. you know. Um, but uh, you know that that uh, launched uh, this month, uh, and it's it's a critical darling. You know, anyone who's seen it just loves it, and and is very passionate about spreading the word. And it's um, there's something for everyone. There's comedy. There's things which are a little bit more spooky. Um, I would say uh, I think it's got a PG rating. It might be because some of the stuff um, is you know there's it deals with big themes. It deals with you know. Um, spirituality and war and um, loss and and uh, it's beautiful and, and a, a huge range of styles 2d 3d animation and really I think uh, puts a big quality stamp on what's possible um, in South Af- you know coming from Africa in terms of animation so I'm hugely inspired and excited about what those directors have done and 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 uh, I'm really hoping that it 
creates more, you know, a hunger for more. I really hope that uh, that there's more money sort of plowed into the African animation industry. Well, yeah. As you said, you know, TV only came to South Africa in the 70s. Yeah. And look at look at where you guys are now. So yeah. kudos again to the team at Triggerfish and... And uh, I think that the um, just on the Star Wars. Uh, yes, of course. That we did. So that was still that's new as well. That's like just it's it's a bumper it's a bumper year for Triggerfish. So there's there's Kazazimoto. There's um, they were we were invited to partake in Star Wars Visions, which is an anthology of animated short films, where what Lucasfilm wanted to do was choose non-American um, mainly sort of they wanted to go global. They wanted to kind of go to interesting um, countries that had strong animation studios and ask them, what is your uh, uh, take on Star Wars? Like, what's your, what is you as a studio? You know, what, what, what do you love about Star Wars? And what would be like a personal story that you would love to tell in the Star Wars universe? And so we, we it was amazing brief, you know. Um, yeah. Uh, non- and you're a Star Wars, like historically, you're oh, a yeah. Star Wars. Oh, yeah. Like I remember seeing, seeing the movies when I was a kid and just, yeah. it was so exciting. Same. And, um, and so um, I helped uh, Triggerfish sort of um, uh, uh, put the call out to the team because they, they said this is a Triggerfish. We want Triggerfish to tell us Wait, what Triggerfish is. Was this like is. a dream come true? Did you oh, yeah. get that brief and go, like, how is this possible? Can you pinch yeah. me right now? <laughs> no, absolutely. Okay. And there were so many Star Wars fans at Triggerfish. I think we got over 70 pitches. You know, <laughs> I could imagine. Because uh, you were talking team. about finding your tribe, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, the we, we through a, a, a sort of a, a, a selection process between the partners and ourselves, and and then working with the the core creative team at Triggerfish, who had directed the other movies and specials, um, we whittled it down to two to two pitches. They both went out to Lucasfilm, and I was very proud of both of them. They were both super strong, and the one that um, ended up getting made uh, is it, it's named in many lists as best in show, and that is. Amongst some of the, the most amazing other studios, so I'm I'm terribly proud of what those um, that that team and those two directors, Daniel Clark and Nadia Darius, did um, with uh, with that. Yeah. So you go there, you read the reviews, and you like eat up. Yeah. You, can you not help yourself? Have you been advised not to? Uh, no, no. I I always read the reviews. You do. I can't. I mean, I think that it's different. You know, it's it's different for um, for us working in animation because we get so little attention. <laughs> so usually the only people who are re- watching our stuff are people who are interested. Yeah. And so it is, I would say, 90% positive most of the time. Sometimes we get some snarky stuff. Um, but, you, you know, you gotta you got to check your ego as well. You yeah. know? It's sometimes, if things don't work for people, it's good to know why. And it's know? nice to get that feedback, I'd imagine. I think it's nice to get that feedback. You know, what used to happen was that... Um, when we would have the Christmas specials, on Christmas Day, we'd go on to Twitter and people would just tweet their reactions like live and we could see... As they they're were, watching. As they're watching. Yeah. There's less culture of that now. Um, but back, I remember on Stickman, we just saw loads and loads of tweets coming through and it was, it was so heartwarming. You know, you felt, you felt connected to your audience, you know, which was cool. That was, that was special, yeah. Okay, so what are we going to be tweeting about? What are we going to be reviewing <laughs> in the next... Year or two. So I'm afraid to say that I uh, I am under NDA and I cannot talk about the next Magilai special. You know, I had to ask. But yeah. I am uh, I'm storyboarding. So I've I've decided, you know, and I think it's worth maybe mentioning because this is a parenting podcast. You know, I've done done the last three years, as I'm sure many listeners have, sort of work from home, and um, and something that I found directing um, uh, and being the parent of two young kids 
was that I, it was almost like having three kids. <laughs> it was yes, and and you know we had this big team of about I think seventy or eighty people in the UK. We were doing everything over Zoom, and I felt my brain being kind of split in two. And uh, and and so I I I kind of made the decision at the end of last year, and it was nice because there was a couple of things happening at once. We won the BAFTAs, and we 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 finished our film, and I thought it would be a good moment to take a bit of a sabbatical from directing. Uh, and just wait until my kids are a bit older and don't don't want to hang out with me as much. Uh, and 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 so what I'm doing right now is I'm storyboarding. Uh, so I'm helping the the new directors of the new special. One of them is South African, which is really cool. Uh, uh, Alex Bain. Uh, and I'm not allowed to say what it is or what it is that we're doing, but um, but I think it's going to be really cool. I think it's going to be really really cool. And I'm sure um, Magilai always you know hit, are, are dedicated to. To doing uh, the books justice and putting out the highest quality. Of thing. course, I love and, it. And then I'm about to join another really exciting project um, that uh, a company called Sunrise Animation, who listeners might have seen Jungle Beats, um, which yes. is a wonderful YouTube series and and movie. Uh, and and uh, there's another one on the. I'm just, might be. I don't know if I'm allowed to talk about anything. So there might be another Jungle Beat something something happening mm-hmm. at some point. They're a, a wonderful company based in Nordhook, um, and they are putting together a really exciting um, a project based on the life of uh, King David uh, f- uh, and his journey from being, you know, a, a shepherd to a, a king yeah. and everything that happened to him in between. And it's they, they're getting world-class talent from all over the world, uh, uh, you know, animation people from from all corners, and uh, and so I'm really thrilled to be joining them. I think I'm allowed to say that because a lot of that's on Instagram and on yeah, their website. Already. So so they've announced their project and this is what they're doing. And so anyone who's interested in knowing more about that can go to Sunrise's website and check out check out the um, the stuff they've put out for David already. It's it's. It's amazing to see, and it's amazing to see this kind of collaboration between people who've worked at big studios and then the local South African talent, and just to see how high the bar is that, that they're they're setting. So I'm I'm thrilled to be back on that project with them. Well, well done, and we look forward to all the upcoming projects in the next special, whatever it may be. We're going to enjoy it. Daniel Snadden, do me a favor. Sure. Tell Julia and Axel I say hi. <laughs> Hello from their biggest fan. When when I next see them, which might be sometime, okay. <laughs> I will do. <laughs> Please. And it was such a pleasure meeting you. I am now a fan as well. Thank you. It was Thank such, you so, much. so great having you on The Great Equalizer. Please come back. Thank you so much, Sam. Thanks so much for having me. 